you're listening to Allied Health Podcast, talking all things Allied Health, with your hosts Danielle Whedon, physiotherapist, and Claire Jones, occupational therapist. Today's episode is brought to you by Jam the Label, an inclusive fashion brand designed for people with disability in mind and aiming to amplify the message that everyone deserves the opportunity to look and feel good in the clothes that they wear. Today we have the pleasure of talking to dynamic occupational therapists Molly Rogers and Emma Clegg, who are the founders of Jam the Label, a leading Australian inclusive fashion range designed for people with disability in mind. So welcome, Molly and Emma. It's great to have you here on Allied Health Podcast. So your journey through occupational therapy so far has been quite unique with the launch of Jam the Label in 2019. Can you each uh, give us a brief overview of your career to date and how you came into partnership? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having us. Um, So me, Emma, (laughs) um, I graduated from high school in 2011 and then had a bit of a gap year where I travelled a lot and met um, a lot of occupational therapists. And I was enrolled at the time to study nursing when I got back from my travels. Um, And I thought, oh, well, I want to do something in health. Um, You know, nursing was kind of what my friends were doing. But I met all these amazing occupational therapists who said it's the best job in the world. You've got to do it. It's so, um, it's such a great career because it's so broad and diverse and you'll never get bored. And so I had that in my mind when I returned to nursing. Um, I managed to get through about six months and then decided that OT sounded a lot more interesting to me. Um, My mum at the time also worked for Urala. And so she worked with a lot of occupational therapists and said the exact same thing, that they all loved their jobs and were so passionate. Um, So I then studied um, OT for four years at ACU in Melbourne and that's where Molly and I met each other. So we met I think in second year or third year Um, and at the time we had both just started to become disability support workers. So we did that casually while studying to become OTs Um, and then once I graduated from my OT course in I think it was 2017, end of 2017, um, I had all this experience working with young people with disability and I got a job working at a special developmental school um, as a full-time occupational therapist and it was in our last year sort of the last month or two that Molly and I had this idea to create fashionable products um, for people like our clients so I worked with a young girl called Maddie um, and she has cerebral palsy and is a wheelchair user and is reliant on others to get dressed. And Molly and I just used to talk at uni all the time about how difficult dressing was for a lot of our clients like Maddie. And Molly will tell you a bit about her client, Jack. Um, and they were the inspiration for Jam. And so, yeah, we started working full-time as occupational therapists, me at a school, um, while starting to work on Jam in the background. Yeah, and I um, had a similar thing where I knew I wanted to work in health but wasn't exactly sure where and sort of went to all the different uni open days um, and occupational therapy definitely sounded the most like me, um, super functional and, yeah, sort of problem-solving, as Emma and I found, where we discovered the sort of difficulty that a lot of people have with dressing. Um, And so, yeah, similarly um, went through my uni degree and then I started working in community disability. So I worked with NDIS clients from the start of my Um, journey and I started working in 2018 and so that was sort of when people were just sort of getting into the NDIS in the area that I was working the community area and so it was helping people with sort of the beginning of their plan and figuring out what this new thing was and how to use their funding best Um, and so yeah while we're at uni though we studied uh, we were disability support workers and as Emma said I worked with Jack 
Um, and I actually still do to this day work with Jack. I worked with him yesterday, actually, um, saw him then. <laughs> and he, um, yeah, there's sort of lots of different things that we um, did with Jack and Maddie from sort of community access to participation in lots of different activities. But one of the ones that Emma and I would discuss all the time that was way more difficult than it needed to be was definitely dressing. Super time-consuming, um, super uncomfortable and tricky and sort of you're pulling T-shirts through sort of tight limbs or sort of um, people with spasticity in their arms and trying to reach that top over there and just hearing the rip of the material. Mm. Um, and then all people wearing sort of oversized clothing. So, yeah, we we thought of jam and it started from there. So my next question was, you know, what's the inspiration behind Jam the Label? So I guess it's these, the participants that you've been working with um, you know, while, while you were at uni um, have been the inspiration, is that correct? Yeah, so specifically Jack and Maddie, which is why we're called Jam, after Jack and Maddie. Oh, I like um, it a lot. <laughs> my, Molly. Everyone always has the sort of um, the ball drop moment where they're like, oh, of course. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they particularly were the inspiration for us, particularly at the age they were at the time. So Maddie was an older teenager. Mac was uh, Jack was a younger teenager. And, you know, we used to talk about that as young adults, that's the time when you're choosing your what you want to wear each day and yeah. choosing to express yourself through your fashion choices and that there were so often situations with Jack and Maddie where, you know, we'd go out for a walk with them and being in Melbourne, it would start to rain or get cold really suddenly and we couldn't get a jacket on them whilst in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and so you'd end up putting a blanket over or wearing a hoodie backwards and we were like, they're teenagers, they don't mm-hmm. want to look gaggy, like they mm-hmm. should be wearing cool stuff that we got to wear at their age and so... Them in particular, and then as we've evolved, young adults with disability have really been our inspiration for it. Mm. And I guess, you know, your point, Molly, that you resort to oversized clothing um, so that you can get clothing over, you know, Mm. arms with spasticity and, and whatnot. It's fashion is really important in in terms of self-confidence. And dignity. Uh, dignity, how you feel mm. about yourself, your confidence going out into the community, into society. And when you're limited to oversized clothing because that's the only option you've got, it can really impact, uh, really impact you, can't you, can't it? Exactly. Yeah, we always talk about the fact that, you know, when you have a really cool top on or you're feeling like you've got a great new jacket or something, that you you hold yourself so much differently and, we, we always quote Sinead Burke, who's a disability advocate, who says um, that clothing is not a frivolous topic and the conversation around them should not be belittled. And we always really feel that because, you know, it is such an important thing. It's how you express yourself and it changes how people interact with you as well. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Did you, um, did Jack and Maddie have input into your, any of your ranges? Yeah, so our first item was a jacket that was designed to be taken off um, and put on really easily while seated in the wheelchair from that exact situation that Emma was talking about we are sort of out for a walk um and Jack we've got some really really good photos of Jack wearing our first ever sample where we've got 
the material from Spotlight down the road and mm-hmm. just sort of like, oh, let's see if this works. And he's just grinning from ear to ear because we were like, you're about to be famous, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask, have either of you got, um, do, are you sewers or have you, have you had experience with textiles or? <laughs> no. no. That's <laughs> another question we always get asked from the start. It's like, oh, you guys have a background in, yeah, sewing? Like, no, no. <laughs> but I think that's what, like, it's been really interesting from the start is that we've learned so much about manufacturing and, you know, retail and even how to start a business because we didn't even have that as our background. But because we did have the functional understanding and sort of the problem solving and the solution to the problem, we found out along the way that that's been the most important thing for us to have and that everything else we can rely on experts and people that are Mm. much more knowledgeable than us around us that have been so, we've been so fortunate that have wanted to help us and have along the way. And, you know, we still make sure that we learn everything and understand everything, but we've also learned that we don't have to be experts in that because we're experts in what we are and that's what we bring to the business. So um, we've definitely learned a lot about manufacturing, but I would not pick up a um, needle and thread. Needle and thread. (laughs) (laughs) But it's great. It's great that you saw that that wasn't a hindrance to you achieving what you've achieved. Just because Mm. you can't sew doesn't mean that you can't create an amazing, you know, fashion range for people living with disability. Yeah, exactly. It is funny when we sort of describe different things like we're picturing a certain type of scene but we have no idea what the technical name is but we're like, you know, um, and trying to sort of describe it. But, again, it's using that, like, functional language of this is what we want it to do Mm. and the fashion people that we speak to are like, oh, of course, it's called this or it's that sort of stitch or, yeah. yeah. And (laughs) our consumer at the end of the day and our customers they are going to be like us. They need to have a clear understanding of what we're creating for them. That most people wouldn't have that understanding of that technical language around fashion and sewing. Yeah. And so if we understand it and we can explain what the different design features are, then our customers are going to understand it and understand how it's functional. So um, I think it's important that we kind of stay on that sort of layman terms um, with the fashion side of things because or else, yeah, it'll just get lost. Yeah, it's a good point, Emma, really good point. Um, So your focus has been on how clothing can be considered assistive technology and how therapists can use your products to support their clients' goals and independence. What's some advice and industry insights you can impart to therapists specific to this? Mm. So I think one of the main things that Emma and I discuss sort of frequently is that when people picture adaptive fashion or that someone who might benefit from adaptive fashion, it's quite often people with um, physical disability or wheelchair users. And certainly they do benefit from adaptive fashion, but there's sort of a really broad range of people who can benefit from it, from people with sort of intellectual disability to those with chronic pain or chronic fatigue. Um, Yet there's sort of a really, really wide range of clients. So I think we'd encourage therapists to sort of be quite creative with the people that they're um, thinking that may benefit from adaptive fashion. For example, someone with chronic fatigue, doing up a shirt might take five minutes, say, and then they have to go and lie down for a couple of hours because they've reached their fatigue or sort of energy threshold. Whereas if they're able to use magnets to do up that shirt, then they're able to use that energy for something that they, for a task they want to do or a meaningful occupation. And I think not only like what we were saying earlier is not to downplay how meaningful dressing can be to an individual with occupational therapy and with a lot of therapies, it's really important that the goals or the things you're working towards are meaningful for that person. And I think dressing often gets overlooked because it's like, oh, well, we all do it. 
and it's just something at the start of your day. But not only does it impact other maybe more meaningful activities like Molly just explained, but also it does, yeah, have that huge impact on how they carry themselves, their independence, how they feel, how they with their self-expression. And so I think for therapists to focus on that is really important and to really be looking for, you know, products that are appropriate and suitable and cool and, you know, assistive tech, it's come a long way, but it is still a lot of it is really outdated and can be really medicalized and daggy. And I think we're trying to push the therapist to really look for those, you know, fashionable, trendy assistive mm. tech items, whether it be, you know, a, a mobility device that's or, you know, bars in a uh in a bathroom there's people out there that are ama- that are making amazing products that are really useful and fashionable um and i think that's just as important mm. and i think being creative around how a task can be done as well so um even if, if sort of a, go- a goal might be buttons and while someone's doing learning how to do their, their buttons up that can be really important but if the end goal is to just be able to do up their shirt independently then maybe it is worth getting a shirt that they are able to do to sort of focus on other areas as well so I think it's yeah being really creative around am I am I wanting them to be able to do that specific thing or is the end goal the more important thing Mm -hmm. to them themselves and it comes down to choice and giving people choices doesn't it so so what is most important to them and what is their goal is the goal of mastering, you know, the fine motor skill of doing up a button or is the goal to um, look great and feel great dressing in what I'm wearing and dressing? Mm. Mm. Exactly. Can we talk a yeah. little bit about NDIS funding? Obviously, Jam the Label's um, products are NDIS funded, yes? Yes. So, <laughs> so if you're self-managed or plan-managed, um, you can access our products through low-cost assistive tech um, or within your core budget because obviously core budget is the most flexible. Um, mm-hmm. So it can also be through your consumables um, because obviously our products are low in cost and low risk. Um, they don't require the reports and the you know assistive tech um, applications that more expensive products do. Um, and because they do all have design features that make the act of dressing easier and more independent um that's how they can kind of be justified as being yeah low-cost assistive technology um we do always say that if you have a great occupational therapist that is willing to write up you know a really simple one-page support letter that's always good to have on hand um, but that it's not necessary um, and that, yeah, they can either um, purchase it directly through our website, just like any other online shopping experience, and then reimburse from the portal or from, through their plan manager. Um, or you can request an invoice from us and we can send one out to you again, like any other service through your NDIS plan. So it's really simple. Um, it's just, again, therapists and participants being aware that these products exist and that it does work towards their independence and towards their NDIS goals. So um, they can definitely utilize their NDIS to purchase. To assist as well, we've um, created a design features um, page on our website as well. So if therapists are like, oh, I I think this might be useful for one of my clients, but I'm not exactly sure where or how, how it works, they can look up that. And we've got sort of a really um, detailed list of the design features and how they benefit um, people. And then and on each products page as well, they've got sort of a more simple, shortened version of the design features there. And just around sizing, really, really practical question. If you order something and it's the wrong size, you can exchange for the right size? 
Yeah, definitely. Again, we're just like any other online shopping store with that um, experience. So although we want to really highlight to people on the NDIS that they can utilize their funds, we don't want to rely on that solely. A lot of people aren't on the NDIS Mm -hmm. yet. And so, and also from the start, we've said, we want to be like any other clothing brand, you know, we want to be cool and not this super hyper medicalized um, platform. And so, yeah, our website is just like any other online shopping experience. If it's the wrong size, you can just get in contact with us and we'll do an exchange. Fantastic. Second part to that last question that Claire started to ask as well was, are, are there any other innovative products that you've seen in the market? Yeah, there's a few. So in terms of other sort of clothing or sh- footwear, there's some um, there's footwear called Billy's Shoes um, and they they look sort of like a Converse or a van or something like that, but they have zips around. So they look just like a regular sneaker, but um, they, yeah, sort of zip fully open. So that's really good for people with AFOs or sort of, yeah, fine motor difficulties who might have trouble with um, doing up their laces and you're able to just sort of put your foot in and then zip it up around, yeah. uh, which is they're super cool and they just look really funky. Yeah, there's also um, some great, um, there's a company called MagZip, which um, we're about to partner with to bring out some products, um, including their technology, which are magnetic zips. And again, that it was actually co-created by an occupational therapist in America as well. But so a lot of people wouldn't think about this, but with zips, one of the most difficult part of it is aligning mm. them and it's hard to explain verbally. Um but linking them through and then zipping up that first sort of connection is the hardest part and what this zip does is it's got two strong magnets that go together and then you zip it up Mm. um so it's like something simple like that is so life-changing for a lot of people that you know have fine motor difficulties have a tremor but also might have an intellectual disability and find zips really hard and aligning zips. Um, so that was a really cool product that we stumbled upon that, yeah, we're going to incorporate into a few new products of ours. Great. And and if if I'm a therapist listening to this how or a participant, how can I get in touch with you guys? Yeah, sure. So we've got, uh, as Emma was saying, we've got our own website, which is jamthelabel.com. Uh, and we're also on um, social media, Instagram and Facebook, which is at jamthelabel. Fantastic. So Molly and Emma, it's been great to hear your inspiring story. Um, It's a great example of where a degree in occupational therapy can take you. I love it. Um, With the expansion of the NDIS, it's such an exciting time for occupational therapy and the assistive technology industry. Um, And we look forward to seeing so much more of Jam the Label. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Allied Health Podcast. In the show's notes, you'll find links to our free recruitment resources, job opportunities and healthcare marketplace insights. To listen to new episodes, please subscribe via Apple, Google or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. And if you've enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star rating and review and be sure to tell your therapy colleagues and friends to tune in. Tune in.